This is a main hustle media podcast. Hey y'all, this is Javi Nicole, aka your favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. All right, welcome to another episode of Black Radical Queer Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Javi Nicole. And as usual, I'm sure by this point, you all already know the routine. <laughs> so I'll allow my guests to introduce themselves and then we'll get into our conversation. Hi, uh, my name is Thon. Uh, I'm solo poly and also bisexual, a big fan of this podcast. So I'm looking forward to talking with Javia. <laughs> All right. So um, for this particular episode, we are going to be focusing on polyamory. And um, it's something that I get a lot of questions about. Um, I did mention it in my coming out story. I mentioned like me coming out as lesbian or coming out as queer and also coming out as poly. So um, I guess this is kind of like a continuation or just a follow up to that. But even prior to me starting BRQ, I would get a lot of questions especially on Twitter, um, a lot of questions about navigating polyamory um, because a lot of times the images or the examples that people see do not look like us. They are either, you know, straight white people or, you know, even if they are people of color, a lot of times they're not queer. And if we do, even if we see them and let's say they are people of color, um, a lot of times we see the same type of relationship configuration. We don't see a lot of variety. So I thought that it would be a good idea to do an episode that focuses on polyamory. Um, on the BRQ Facebook page, I did a post asking folks like, hey, you know, what do you want to hear about in regards to polyamory? And um, I got some great responses. So we will actually respond to those posts, to the post on that thread. But before we get into that, I actually just want us both to have an opportunity to give you all a little bit of background on what poly looks like for us as individuals. So I'll let my guests start um, because y'all hear my voice all the time. (laughs) So so listen to him um, and just really I really, too, also, I'm excited to be able to have a guy on because a lot of times, I I mean, I'm a woman, so I do speak from that perspective. And a lot of times I have guests who are women. So I wanted to for us to both be able to talk about it um, as people who have some similarities in our identities and also some differences. So you can go ahead and share and then we'll just go from there. Okay. Um, yeah. So my, my polyamory um, is, is based a lot in my sexuality. Um, so uh, I identified as straight until I was about uh, 18. Um, and then I spent a lot of time one summer around this one guy and just developed this horrible crush on him. Um, I didn't know what it was. Just every time he came in the room, I got excited. Every time he left, I was angry. I was thinking about him all the time. And at some point I was like, oh, oh, this is a crush. I, I think I have a crush on this guy. Um, and at the time, um, you know, I, I heard a lot of people about coming out and, um, particularly when people would say things like I'm bisexual, people wouldn't believe them. They'd say, no, bisexual, I doesn't exist. You just, you know, eventually you're going to realize you're just into one sex or it's kind of a transition period that gay men use to feel a little better about themselves. Um, and you know, coming out, I also wanted a community and I didn't really want to be excluded. So I was like, you know what? I'm gay. Fine. I'm into guys. I'm not going to worry about women. Um, this is it. And I, mean, I did it only men for 10 years. And, you know, I met women and I had good friendships, but I, I never really gave the thought of dating women again a second chance. Um, and uh, over the course of those 10 years, um, I found I had like two specific types of guys that I would go for. Um, you know, 
one was very much like me, like my height and build, um, probably on the masculine end of things. Um, the other type, they were, you know, much smaller, kind of adorable, um, you know, maybe a touch effeminate. And I was just going back and forth, like, well, which one's the right one for me? Is there, you know, if I'm going to pick one, get married, live the rest of my life with someone, who's the right one? And that's when I started thinking about polyamory um, because, like, I really... I don't know that I have to choose. I don't know if there's a right answer. Um, maybe it's just one or the other. Um, and the solo part of the polyamory started to develop after I started dating people and realized that I was very bad with clingy people. <laughs> um, I remember the first guy, first time a guy called me um, after a date and it was just a talk. And I picked up the phone. I'm like, hey, did you leave something on the date? Uh, did I need to give you something? What, what, why are you calling me? And he's like, oh, I just called to say <laughs> Savage. <laughs> He's like, no, I just called to say hello. And I'm like, hey, you done that? <laughs> I was very confused. I was genuinely confused. Like, what is it we're talking about right now? Um, and it became pretty apparent. Uh, over a while that I'm, I'm just not into the idea of nesting. Um, I don't want to spend all my time with someone. You know, if I'm totally head over heels in love with someone, I want to see them twice a week and that's it. <laughs> I, I don't want to see them any more than that. So between realizing that I didn't really want to choose that, you know, I, I met people and, um, you know, I just, I kind of wanted to appreciate them for who they were rather than trying to compare them to some perfect archetype um, for someone I was going to get married to. Um, and uh, I also had quite a few poly friends and I would talk to them about this. And, you know, eventually I decided I'm going to try it. I'm going to go on dates now and say, look, we're not getting to exclusivity. We're just enjoying each other's company. And I just liked, I felt like I was a better person dating that way because again, I wasn't trying to figure out if they were the one um, and, you know, compare them with what I had in my mind as the, the perfect partner. Um, and I was just able to enjoy them for who they were. A lot of the stress went away. Um, in fact, all the stress of dating came from figuring out is this person the one and then how are we going to merge our lives together um and when i stopped doing that dating just became fun um so i went through that poly solo poly transformation and as soon as i did that <laughs> um i bet uh my first uh or i started dating my first non-cis male person um since the 10 years that i came out and this person they, they identify as non-binary they use they them pronouns um and uh they are also poly and we were good friends for a long time um we never well i never considered dating it turned out that they had a thing for me for a while and they didn't realize it um but it was going poly um that made me open to even considering something different um because you know, if I were picking one person forever and ever, then I was trying to kind of narrow down exactly what I would need. But um, this time it was like, it's a good friend. You know, it's not the only person I can date. It's not the only person I'll date for the rest of the time. Let's see how it goes. And, you know, we've, we're still dating now. Uh, I've moved from uh, where I was. So it's kind of a long distance thing, which I would never have considered in a regular monogamous relationship just because it'd be really difficult to do. But it's fine now. It's kind of like a regular friendship. It's just when we see it again, when we're hanging out, it's more like dating. Um, and it's great. So, yeah, that's I guess that's the story in a nutshell. So a couple things. For one, I just want to let so for all the listeners, because we record via Skype, as I think we probably have mentioned, um, I'm not on camera. I look a hot mess. <laughs> OK, but Don is on camera so I can see him. And when I first got onto the call, when Charmaine added me to the call, I was like, OK, listen, can we talk about how fine he is? <laughs> just saying. I'm just like, geez, like I wasn't ready. Thank so <laughs> I can see why he would say, OK, well, one of my types is kind of like similar to me. I'm like, yeah, that, that would be one of my types too. I, I see that. Um, so I just want to let y'all know that he's fine. So y'all could just have to live through me telling you since you can't see him like I can. Um, but the other thing is uh, something that's interesting to me when you were talking about just like coming to the realization that solo poly was a fit for you. I kind of, I don't 
don't know. I I didn't know what poly was, so I just knew that I always felt kind of like I, I used to describe myself as a hippie. I would just say, oh, I just have I have a lot of love to give and that kind of thing. Um, that would be that was how I, how I describe myself. But I didn't know what poly was. I was like that. I had no like no concept of that. I just knew that, hey, I could like date someone and still have interest in other people and it not take away from it wasn't because, oh, I'm not OK with this person I'm dating or I'm not satisfied with them or I'm not or uh, something's going wrong with them. It's not like I my eyes are wandering because they're not, you know, doing what they need to do. It's just that, no, I appreciated different things about different people. Um, so once I so I just kind of always had these very loving friends friendships. Um, I had very, sometimes just, I don't know, I just would see kind of how I interacted with people. And once I found out what polyamory was, I was like, oh, that makes sense to me. But initially I saw myself as like a solo poly person. I'm like, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, be involved with whoever I'm involved with. Um, I am upfront. So like they know they're not the only person, but you know, nobody is kind of like that main person, that primary person. And I was just fine with that until, um, and then I got into a relationship, not my current one, but the one, my last like long relationship before this one. And I just ended up being monogamous with that person. And so that was my first time in all in years that I had been in a monogamous relationship. I actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if I had ever truly maybe been in a monogamous relationship before that one. Maybe. <laughs> I'll just say maybe because I don't, I don't remember for real, for real. But I know for sure that one though was like specifically monogamous. I know we discussed not being monogamous um, and that wasn't something that they were interested in. And my thing was, I recognized that they were attracted to other folks and stuff and it didn't bother me. I'm like, that's fine. So I was like, hey, is that something, you know, do you want to do this? But they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to have like a a non-monogamous relationship. I was trying to give them some flexibility because I could see that they had like chemistry with other people and stuff like that. And it didn't bother me. But no, they wanted, I I ended up realizing that person is more so a serial monogamist, not poly. (laughs) So, um, but you know, I was all in love and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, this is fine. You know, this just is what it is. But while we were in a relationship, I remember remember like uh, being interested in someone else being very much interested in we were just cool but like my interest in her was very strong and I felt terrible (laughs) I felt horrible for that I was just like oh my god because I was head over heels in love with my girlfriend at the time but there's this other woman that I was just like we just click and I don't know I just like I looked forward to talking to her I had a crush on her I was crushing hard on her and I felt like a terrible person um and I eventually told my girlfriend like hey I have a crush on this person she didn't trip about her or anything, but I just felt so bad. Like, how can I feel this way about this person if I'm so in love, you know? Um, and it was it was weird because I had never had that dilemma before. In previous relationships, I had been with someone and I could be feeling them and feeling somebody else. And it didn't phase me. I was just like, hey, I just have this capacity. I don't know why in this relationship. I think it was because in that relationship, that's the first person that I started considering. Like that, that's the first person I nested with. You know, we lived together. Um, that's the first person I started looking at, like marriage and all the kind of stuff. And I think that's what brought it up for me because I had never been in that kind of relationship before where we lived together and 
we, you know, talked about getting married and having kids and all that. So, but once that relationship ended, um, I kind of went through this thing where at this point I knew that I was poly. Um, I knew what the term meant and stuff like that, but I felt like no one is gonna, I felt like, oh, I'm not going to be able to have a relationship because no one is going to, going to want to be with me knowing that I have interest in other people. Right. So then I was just like, I'm going to be by myself forever. Like that was my whole like thing. Like I'm just going to either that or no one's going to take me seriously or I'm not going to be able to have a long-term relationship because I, I am about that like long-term life. Um, and I mean, stuff that's like shorter term is fine too, but I know for me, that's what my fear was, was that I would not be able to have something long term. I wouldn't have a long term relationship because um, I felt like once we got to that point or whatever, that whoever I was dating would feel like it was too risky to have that with me because of me being poly. So when I first when I like first started dating my now uh, wife, I didn't to say that I was poly. I was still it was something I was still kind of struggling with and still, you know, whatever. Um, so we kind of like dated briefly, broke up and got back together. And so when we got back together, I believe is when I actually told her like early on, like, look, this is what it is. I am Polly. And um, yeah, so I think initially it was something that she took kind of like personally, like, oh, is it because I'm not enough type of thing? But as she got to know me, then she was like, oh, you know, the more time I've been around you and the more, you know, what I see that that's just you. You just are Polly. So but for me, I, so I ended up realizing um, I thought I was solo Polly until my wife. Mm. Uh, and so once we got into our relationship and once I started to get to know her better and we and we took our time I mean we didn't rush so we you know we were together for you know a couple years before we lived together and then just like having that time to gradually get to know her is as I saw like her like just her qualities and like the things we had in common I was like you know what I actually do want to nest with this person I actually do want to like have kids with this person the biggest thing was I've always wanted to be a parent and she was like the first person I actually envisioned myself having children with so that was big for me. So once I realized that about her, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that's the case, then yeah, I'm still poly, but I still want a certain type of relationship with you specifically. And that's when I started to realize that I, that solo poly wasn't necessarily the best fit or maybe that was at the time. And then that has transitioned. I am more of a relationship anarchist. Um, so that's more so for those who don't know. For, so a relationship anarchist is more so, so you just kind of, and a lot of solo poly people are actually relationship anarchists too. So it's not like they can't mutually, you know, exist. Um, but it's kind of like you just take take uh, you look at each relationship separately. Um, I don't desire to have like a triad, a triad or anything like that or and different stuff I've tested out over the years. But as I've done that, I've come to realize that that's just not for me. I prefer one on one. So that's what works better for me. It's like having one on one relationships with people. So that's kind of my poly style, I guess, the relationship anarchy um, with my wife being my primary partner. Um, and I used to hesitate to like say, oh, I have a primary partner or whatever, like when we were like early on, early on. But as I saw how our relationship played out and how it starts to develop, that's not something that I shy away from now because that is my primary partner. This is the person who I nest with and who I'm going to have kids with. So to me, that having like that, I guess, hierarchy or whatever isn't a bad thing. But I used to think it was. And so many probably people told me it was. <laughs> but it's once I, you know, learned and I just saw like, hey, this actually does work for my relationship with my partner who I'm with most of the time 
who is monogamous, that that is my primary partner um, and that I will prioritize her and I'm okay with that. Um, and considering like the other type of dynamics I'll say that I have, it works because um, they're kind of like non-traditional. I don't have like a girlfriend or anything like that. Um, so my other dynamic, I just, it's, it's, it's considered a dynamic. I won't get to all that because that's for another episode, <laughs> but I don't have like a girlfriend or anything like that. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much my thing. So I thought I kind of went from solo poly to, well, always, well, yeah, solo poly to relationship anarchy. I have tried doing like the triad thing or, you know, that kind of thing. But for me, I just realized that I don't like trying to navigate with like two people at the same time in the same relationship. Um, Yeah, I don't like that. I don't want to have to like um, divide my attention between two people. Say we're all hanging out together and because we're all kind of like dating or something. I have to get both of them. I don't know. I like one on one. (laughs) So yeah, that's pretty much it for kind of my little, I guess, poly backstory. So now that we have had an opportunity to do that, I want to want us to be able to look at the post. Um, Now for the, the post, I mean, they're on the BRQ Facebook page, but on here, I'm not going to say people's names because I actually do not know if they are okay with being named or not. <laughs> um, even though I know on Facebook it shows names, but I don't know if people use, you know, if it's their real name or what. So I'd rather err on the side of caution and not use people's names. I'll just read what they posted and give us both an opportunity to, you know, kind of give our response to it. Sure. So let's see. So the first response to my poly thread, um, this particular person said, I'd like to hear different perspectives other than triad or thirds. I'd like to hear from folks in a V or other dynamics and what the future may look like for those dynamics. And for those who don't know, a V is if you have one person Let's say you have, um, I'm trying to think of like some random names. So you have Amy, Bob, and Sally. I don't know. So (laughs) let's say Amy, Bob, and Sally. Amy, uh, if it's a V, Amy is involved with Bob and Amy is involved with Sally. Bob and Sally are not involved with each other. So Amy is what's considered the hinge. So that's a V. So it's like you have one person, they are involved with two people. Those two people are not involved with each other. They're not romantically involved. They may know each other, um, but they're not romantically involved involved with each other um so those they will be considered one another's metamorph because they both are involved with the same person but not romantically involved with one another so um so this particular person wanted to hear about like that type of setup or just other other dynamics other than triad because that's a lot of times what we see when we look at when people think of poly a lot of times they think of a man with two women that's like the number one thing that comes to mind or like, oh, this is a couple and they have a third or a unicorn or something coming in. So, you know, they want to hear about something other than that. So I'll let you respond first and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, so, yeah, this is this is normally how I date. I had never heard of a V before, but V is basically the only way I date. I think um, it's easier as solo poly. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think solo poly makes it a bit easier, certainly for me, um, because I'm not looking for someone to nest with. And when I talk to a lot of friends who are either monogamous or poly, um, you know, one of their biggest concerns is, uh, you know, I don't want to start building life with someone, then they leave me for someone they like more. Um, and uh, for people who are solo poly or, who are, or you know, aren't really looking for, for a partner at the moment, um, a lot of that jealousy doesn't really come to the fore. Um, but when I date people who are monogamous or who are poly, but they're looking for a partner and they want a primary, um, the V sort of situation can 
be a little problematic for them because they're worried about the competition. Um, there's also just a question of managing time. <laughs> um, you know, for uh, again, I think it's easier solo poly than you know having a primary and others. But you know, when you have two people who aren't involved uh, with one another either, um, there isn't any like central planning that goes on. So you know, if they both want to hang out on Friday night, they're going to do that. They're going to hit you up, and you got to figure out what you're going to do. Um, or if you know, it's just every other night of the week, you're you're with someone new. Um, that's just kind of how it works. So that can make things a little crazy. But um, I found that I kind of get to a natural place. Um, you know, I there's only I, you talk about polysaturation. Um, I, I find that you know you just have so much time to give, and things just kind of work out on their own. Um, so yeah, um, Javi, I guess I can give it to you now. Yeah, I think that um, for one, there are definitely all types of configurations outside of just that that standard <laughs> um, triad. But um, so I guess over the years, some of the configurations that I've had are hmm, so. When I was in undergrad um, for maybe a year or so, I had a boyfriend and um, I had a, I guess, relationship situation where um, I had a boyfriend. This other uh, woman had a boyfriend and she and I were involved with one another. The guys were not involved with each other. I was not involved with her man. She was not involved with mine. She and I were involved with each other. So it was kind of sort of like a V, but like, I guess, an extended V. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But we that's what we had going on. I have also been um, involved with a couple. So, yeah, they were already, you know, together and they had interest in me. I will say I was not feeling that. (laughs) Um, Once I had the experience, I was like, nah, I'm not with this. Um, Like it was all right. But a lot of times, too, because the circumstances that people kind of enter into those kind of things under, it's like they're looking for this to kind of like spice it up or they have there is a Band-Aid. You become a Band-Aid. I'm not interested in being anyone's Band-Aid. And so once I went through that experience, I was like, nah, bruh. Like y'all have these issues going on and I see that your your um, involvement with me is a distraction and I'm a person. So I'm not feeling that. So the whole unicorn thing or um, being a third is not for me. Um, I've also had a configuration where it's like me and my primary partner and then we kind of were involved with the third person. So we had like a third, but our, um, our engagement with them was different. So um, we did have time with all three of us together. Um, but I learned from the time and me and my primary partner learned from that time that that wasn't really a fit because I didn't like I didn't like having to divide my attention between them I didn't like and part of it was just because of our personalities because of our personalities I wasn't really feeling it like they kind of there are some things they brought out in each other which weren't bad but I just didn't care for it because it made me feel a certain kind of way um they both were like really really silly um and I am like I will crack jokes and stuff but I'm not very like physically goofy I'm not like very physical with my silliness and like to kind of like play around in that way and that's something they both like to do and they were similar in that way and it made me feel kind of like a parent (laughs) um like I was a serious one I was the whatever I don't know I didn't like how it made me feel so I wasn't feeling that um and then I've had times where I just was solo poly um where I just kind of was involved with who I was involved with they were aware of each other um yeah it, it was always something that was up front, but they didn't have um, any involvement or they may have been cool, but they weren't romantically involved. Um, so, yeah, it's been there have been a lot of different configurations. I really think it's, of course, based on what works for you. And as time has gone on, I see the way that it kind of works for me now. I never would have envisioned because after going through that relationship where I was with someone who I was monogamous with and I had this interest in this other person, I didn't really see myself ending up in a situation where I'm like where I have a, someone I would consider to be a primary 
partner. Um, but because I do believe in like relationship anarchy, I feel like um, if I'm involved with someone else or whoever I'm involved with, what is for them is for them. So for my wife was for her is for her. And a lot of that just encompasses what to me makes her a primary partner. So like having kids, I'm not interested in having kids with anybody else. <laughs> That's for her. That's me and her. Or, you know, living together. I don't want to live with anybody else. Um, I don't want to have like shared expenses with anyone else. So that having that type of lifestyle is for her. Um, so, yeah, so that's how it ends up, I guess, kind of working out for me because I feel like it's, it's not a competition. And so I think initially there was that jealousy um, because she had to, you know, it was something she had to get accustomed to. But now um, she knows what her role is in my life and it's not threatened by anybody else. So let's see. But yeah, there are a lot of different configuration options. And in terms of what the future may look like, yeah, I think, I feel like what the future may look like for those dynamics, it really, I don't think that's any different necessarily from any other relationship because that to me boils down to the individuals. So what the future looks like, um, I mean, I can say, oh, what the future looks like for me and my wife because we, there's something we have planned together. But I think it's just like with any other relationship. If you know, hey, I'm solo poly, I don't plan to nest and all kind of stuff. So then that kind of gives you an idea of what the future may look like. You may um, start to kind of maybe spend more time with one than like other partners or something like that, but you know that it's not going to lead to nesting or lead to joint accounts or whatever. Um, so I really think that's more so an individual thing. So the next thing that was posted, I'd like to hear about the dangers of unicorn hunting. Couples of all races hunt queer women like me and expect us to date them both and move in with them and raise their kids and all that. <laughs> Can we discuss how entitled some people feel toward the body's time of the queer folks they're trying to hunt for threesome and tree ads? Whew. Okay. This person <laughs> came with the heat. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's real. That was one of the one of the reasons why I did not like um, I didn't like being a quote unquote third and I didn't like having a third um, in our situation. The, the quote unquote third, um, it was kind of the opposite. She was like a couple hunter. <laughs> um, she was a hunter and she specifically wanted to like be a part of a, a couple. And for me, I, like I am very loyal and I do value time. So I don't feel like, hey, I'm with this person who we've been together for years. I don't feel like if I just met you, just because I like you, that doesn't mean you're quote unquote equal. Like you're, you have value, of course, but I'm not going to say, hey, you're equal to my wife and I just met you. Like in terms of uh, your priority in my life, you're not going to be the same degree of a priority as my wife. It's just not. I just met you. We have time invested in this. And so she, you know, was trying to kind of make her way in to be like another wife. And I'm just like, nah, bro, or not wife at the time, but just another partner like that. Even though we let it be known, like, hey, no, <laughs> like not interested in that. But that was her thing. She was a couple hunter. Um, but then being a, th a third. Yeah, I definitely feel like once I look back at it, I absolutely feel like I was hunted. <laughs> um, to fulfill something specific. It was kind of, it was this fantasy thing. Um, so I became the fantasy, not a person. So that was a problem too. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so for people who are hunting for a third, it, it is usually, you know, this bisexual woman. Um, it's very rarely a man. Um, in fact, you know, if, if you go through a lot of dating profiles, they say specifically, we're not looking for a man, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I, it'd be interesting to understand why that dynamic is like that. Um, I have been approached sometimes, and it's usually a racial motivation. Um, like, you know, they, they want the black guy or there's mm. a fetish there or something like that. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they rarely they rarely approach me. Sometimes I could see the appeal. Like I there are definitely couples that I see. I'm like, oh, they're both hot. 
Like I would love to. Mm-hmm. Okay, this right. is what we do. Yeah, I can right. both get it. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, you know, if I were to hazard a guess about like why it tends to be women and not men, um, my guess would be, you know, there's as much insecurity on the male side as there's on the woman's side, but men just kind of went out like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. But yeah, for me, you know, um, I'd be willing to date a couple, but I haven't. They tend not to approach me. So I, I just don't have a lot of experience on that front. Yeah, I do think that um, it, it is something that Charmaine and I have talked about before. But um, I think that a lot of times that third or that unicorn that's being sought after is a woman, because for one, you know, a lot of things just revolve around cishet men. So. Yeah. When you look at this relationship, it's like, oh, well, this is revolving around a cishet man in terms of what he's comfortable with. This yeah. woman said, hey, I want another man. He's not comfortable with that. So they're like, right. oh, well, I want, you know, so it's, it's tailored to his comfort. Um, and part of it is what you said in terms of that insecurity. Like, I don't want to I don't want to compete with another man. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to share or even this whole thing of looking at women's bodies. It's like, oh, well, if another man has access to your body, that decreases yeah. your value, you right. know. Um, right. As opposed to, oh, I can have two women and that's fine. Like, you know, then that that increases my value. <laughs> um, the fact that I have two women. So it's just really I think um, like what the poster said about it being dangerous. It is dangerous because you run the risk of treating people like pieces of meat or like um, objects or accessories or Band-Aids or, you know, um, marital aids. <laughs> right. um, you run the risk of treating them that way, which is not fair. And, you know, so then you have people, some people really really do want to actually be with a couple, but then they go through these experiences of couples having these issues and then they, you know, bring them in. And so now they've had a bunch of messed up experiences. So um, I also think it is dangerous because it reduces, you know, bisexual women or queer women too, and it reduces them to the unicorn too. Right. And an add-on, you know what I mean? Like not their own entities, their own beings who they can have their own damn relationships that has nothing to do with couples. But it's like, oh, they're the perfect add-on because they're bi. So obviously they're like, what if they only like one of you? That's the thing, too. Right. It's like they want yep. then they're like, I know queer women who have been essentially hunted. And it's like she might be like, oh, I'm interested in the wife, but not the husband. Yeah. But there's this pressure to, like, be involved with both of them or I'm going to just, you know, be involved with both of them to get to this person. And sometimes that can come on the flip side in terms of that person being predatory, like, oh, well, I'll deal with him just to get to her. So it can go both ways. But still, I just feel like it reduces them, you know, to being an add on. Actually, now that you mentioned that I've had one couple kind of approach me, but it was a guy who approached me and then he tried to use his wife as bait. <laughs> like, like he, he, he reached out to me and he's like, Hey, you know, send me some pics. And yeah, yeah I was just mad about it. And he goes, Oh, and my wife too, who was just stunning. And I was like, Oh, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> Ain't that something though? It's like, but that just that to me reinforces that whole thing of like because he uses his wife as bait and they do that yeah. a lot too. Like, so it's just like you're using your wife as bait. Like, think about that. Like, this yeah. is a person, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they even if they're, you know, when they're approaching other women, they do the same thing. It's like, oh well, you know, like I'll, I'll see these profile. Like, it's been a while, but <laughs> when I used to like see dating profiles and stuff, and they would be like, oh well, um, hey, you know, I'm a bi woman. And, you know, I'm looking for a woman I can, you know, have some fun with or something. And oh, yeah. And my husband joined in from time to time. Like, it will always be that kind of thing. So it's like lure this person in with the wife. Um, And then it's like, hey, my husband's going to be in on this, too. Um, So or it's like the man who's like, yeah, you know, my wife and 
Gemini and, you know, my wife is, she's got this great body and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, are you kidding? So it's really, um, to me, it's disrespectful. Like that, yeah. that's what that person's <laughs> being reduced to, you know? Yeah. So let's see, what is next? I'm trying to see if we, oh, the other part too, and what they posted about, you know, having this unicorn, having the person move in and blah, blah, blah. So then it's like, you have this person who has been reduced to um, essentially a sex object and a maid because you're like, oh, I want them to come in and raise the kids and cook and clean and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, you they no longer become a person. You are looking for them to fit a job. You're looking for like an applicant to fulfill a job role, not, you know, and, and none of this, and none of this are you considering what would make them happy? What do they, they want? What are their hopes and dreams? What is their ideal relationship? You're just like, we need somebody to come in and, you know, be our third and, you know, do this and third with us and cook and clean and watch the kids and stuff. <laughs> so you want like a babysitter with benefits is what you're saying. Um, <laughs> You know, and that's not it's just like no regard for this other person's desires. So to me, that really it just really pisses me off. I'm like, that makes no sense. Uh Um, So, yeah, it's a sense of entitlement, too, because then these couples who are, um, let's say it's a man and a woman, a spy woman, they're looking for a quote unquote unicorn. They feel entitled. They feel like, oh, you should want to fill this role for us. Like they feel entitled to this person's time in their body. So that is just crazy to me. All right. So our next post, well, One of this we already talked about because this next person said, I'd love to hear about different people's polyamorous experiences, like the life of those who are solo poly. So that's you. (laughs) Um, And you um, went into that some. A couple who practices together and someone who was just getting into it behind the scenes, look into how they navigate this lifestyle in their corner of the world. Um, And I, I mean, that's pretty much what we've been talking about anyway. Um, I do think it's dope that you're solo poly so that you can specifically speak to the experience, especially as a man, that because that's something I don't hear a lot of, too, not from men, unless it's cishet men, (laughs) you know, that's it. Um, So, yeah. So I guess um, is there anything else that you want to add, like just about your experience with solo poly, um, especially because you are coming from a different perspective than we typically see? Yeah, I think so. I think intersectionality is the big word here of. First of all, you know, being queer limits the number of people you date because, particularly bisexuals, you know, um, straight women don't want to date bi guys because they think they're gay. Uh, gay men don't want to date bisexuals because they think either they're just in that transitionary period coming out and they don't really know themselves or they hate themselves or there's some homophobia there, or they're just going to leave them for a woman. Um, and then part of that is they're concerned about not being monogamous or going on. And of course, I identify as polyamorous, so that just substantiates the worry. Um, and I, I think particularly for black men, there's this idea that if you're polyamorous, it's just because you're incapable of being faithful or committing to anything. Um, you know, I've, I've told parts of my family that I'm bisexual and I think most of them could get over that. But the polyamory thing, they'd just be like, no, you're a hoe. Like, you just, you can't Oh, that's interesting. Um, it, I've, I've actually had some people say, people I was talking to about dating, they're like, you know, that's okay. You're just a hoe. You can't do this. Um, there's an, there's definitely, and I, I've heard this too, um, you know, I think, actually, I might have heard this on Insecure most recently. Like, they were saying, you know, black men can't be monogamous or something like that. I can't remember if that was exactly the show. But, you know, mm-hmm. there's this there's this idea that black men are just dogs and they just want what they want. Um, um, and it's kind of hard to shake that stigma. And so 
you know, my dating pool, you know, going from identifying as bisexual, the polyamorous, and then even within the polyamory community, the expectation is you're going to boo up with someone. You can just have other people you're with. So mm-hmm. to say then that, no, I don't want to nest. Like, I don't want to do everything together. I don't want to move in. I don't want to joint bank account. I want to have kids with you. They're like, well, what's the point? <laughs> like, I, want to, <laughs> right. I want to control you. Give it to me. Um, right. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just that, you know, that intersection of people. You can date. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, um, a lot of people who are poly or identified bisexual and poly and even solo poly, um, they don't look like me. Um, they don't have my experiences. And even though there's a kind of meeting of the minds in terms of how we want to date, sometimes culturally it's just so different. It's like, I, you know, we can talk, but we're not going to get along. <laughs> right. That might literally be the only thing that we got. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So it becomes a small world real fast. Mm-hmm. No, that's definitely true. Like I've noticed um, because even just for one, being a black poly person already, you're already a sort of unicorn. Yep. Because polyamory is not seen as something that black people do exactly. <laughs> or that people of color do. It's seen as something that white people do. Exactly. So exactly. Um, when people find out, hey, you're poly, like when I like on Twitter, when I first said something about being poly, oh my gosh, like I had so many people respond to me saying, oh, like a black person that's poly, <laughs> right. what? you know, it blew their mind. And then they're like a black woman that's poly. And then they're like a black queer woman that's poly, you know? Right. So it really just um, blew people's minds. So, you know, intersectionality is definitely a big thing because it's just so, we're just so not used to poly people looking like us. And then when we do encounter other folks who are black and poly, then they're often not queer. Right. Even if, even if they are engaged, like I know, you know, let's say couples who are quote unquote poly um, and they're, let's say involved with another woman, that still doesn't mean that they're queer. Like they could just, there are a lot of women who they're just like ha- engaging with this other woman for this man. Right. They're not even, you know, so so many different, you know, things operating there. But, um, you know, so I do, I do think it's unique. Um, I do like when I'm able to meet other people who are queer and poly, but just seeing the different ways that manifest because I'll see folks who say, Oh, I'm poly, but in reality, they may just more so be like swingers, which is fine. But it's like it's just, you know, varying degrees of what that looks like. And then, too, for me, um, a part of my polyamorous experience is to an extent I do factor in my friendships into that. Um, Not all my friendships, but some of them. Some of my friendships I do feel like are very loving. um, And we have we have this um, type of what I consider to be intimate closeness. we don't have sex, <laughs> um, but we do have closeness to one another that um, a lot of times people are able to have with their partners. They're able to um, like find comfort like uh, with one another in a way that you might do with a partner. Uh, we don't have, we're not nesting, we're not having sex, we're not doing those things, but um, that doesn't mean, I don't feel like for me, platonic friendships and stuff don't have to be void of romance, void of affection and those kind of things, like letting each other know, hey, I love you, <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, it's nothing, so to me, the line is not just this black and white thing or it's not such a stark contrast. Like I can be very like I can be expressive to my friends about how I feel about them and I can be expressive to my partner about how I feel about her. And, um, you know, without it being like, oh, this is off limits. I can't tell you I love you. That's off limits. I can't, you know, right. engage with you in a certain way. That's off limits. So I do factor in some of my closer friendships into kind of like my poly identity because I look at it as just my love style. So um, so that's factor into those long longer term friendship, you know, people who've been in my life for a long time, like, yeah, absolutely. Like they're important to me. I love them. Um, so yeah. And then I, and I consider them when I look at kind of like my future, you know, and kind of what I, I, what I uh, envision for my future. So that's kind of where it's, it's not like a, um, 
I don't look at them as just random or optional. It's like, no, these are people I actually do want to be, want to have in my future too. Yeah, I don't have the experience of a couple practicing together per se um, because my wife is monogamous. Um, we had, I guess, a brief <laughs> foray. Um, but the thing is, I mean, my, my wife has always been very clear that she's not poly. I, t- I call her monogamish um, or I say she's mostly monogamous. Um, she does have the capacity. She definitely is attracted to other people and will acknowledge that. And she's a big flirt. Um, so, you know, there's that operating. But at the end of the day, she really is like, uh, I just say, I tell her she's about 95% monogamous. I mean, you know, so when we had this person who was interested in both of us, she uh-huh. is just her capacity for her involvement with them. She was like, well, she's cool or whatever, but I know that I would not want to have anything really kind of like beyond friendship. Like, I know I would not want to get as involved with her as I am with you, that kind of thing. Um, so she knows what her capacity is. She knows she's just like, I'm not trying to get to this level, you know, with anybody else. Um, and I feel similarly, it's just that, hey, I can actually um, invest the time to like build a relationship with someone else. But she's like, I ain't trying to do all that. <laughs> so um, she's just like, you know, hey, that's cute or whatever in theory, or I may have attraction to this person, but am I actually willing to like, you know, date and just go through that whole process? And she's just like, no, I'm not really interested in doing that. So it's good that she knows it about herself. So we don't have that experience. It's kind of like both being poly or whatever. I haven't been in that. I've, I've only been in one relationship where we were both poly. Um, and it was, I mean, it was cool. I can't, it, it ended amicably. Um, and the poly part had nothing to do with it. So yeah, just kind of, you know, grew apart. But that's pretty much it. Um, and it's just said how they navigate. Yeah, so that's, we've already kind of went over how we, you know, each navigate the lifestyle. So, so yeah, so we answered all the questions. We talked about our experiences. I don't know, is there anything else that you want to add? Because I think that we're, we're pretty much done. <laughs> Yeah, no, nothing except to thank you for doing this podcast. I, I think it's great, and I, I love the, the topics you're talking about, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in the future. Well, thank you for being willing to be on. Um, yeah, I, it's, I really was struggling a little bit to find someone who was a man and queer and poly and, like, willing to talk about <laughs> his experiences. <laughs> right. So um, I'm really glad you did. And I and I didn't know beforehand that you were solo poly, so um, which I think is even better because then we definitely have, you know, different perspectives. Um and I mean, I get it because that, yeah, I, I kind of have my poly identity has transitioned over time. <laughs> um, so I was solo poly at one time. But yeah, I think it's good to just be able to hear um, from, you know, black queer people. And we have experiences that are different. But um, hey, poly isn't just white people. <laughs> you know, we do exist right. out here in these streets. Right. Um, and we are able to navigate that identity um, in various ways and make it work. So yeah, um, I think it's something, too, that I'll probably end up circling back to because I think that um, the person who posted who just wanted to hear about different experiences felt it. So I'll have to look for, you know, a couple or, um, you know, who practices poly and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I know Charmaine and her husband are poly, so um, <laughs> there's that. But right. uh, just, you know, having those different configurations or even having like someone who's a triad or whatever, um, I'll have to just do a little bit more exploration and find some more queer poly folks. But yeah, so thank you for being on. Thanks for and having I me. I think that's a wrap for this episode. So. <laughs> black Radical Queer Podcast is all about intersectionality and Black queer folks sharing our stories on our own terms. We navigate an array of identities and BRQ is an outlet where we can see the spectrum of those identities reflected, explored, and celebrated. 
Black Radical Queer is a main hustle media podcast hosted by Javia Nicole, produced and edited by Charmaine Johnson. Music is by Publicity. You can find us on social media by looking up Black Rat Queer. It's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. We are on um, Facebook as well as Instagram and Twitter. Same handle regardless at Black Rat Queer. B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. We also have a Facebook discussion group that's just called BRQ Discussion Group. And you can also listen wherever you get your podcast. So we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, Google Play, you know, all those types of things. And we have, you know, our home base that's on Lipson, so you can listen on there as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Make sure you come on back around next week to see uh, what we have for you. And all right, y'all, I'm out. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.